since you are so early in it and because you suck at it, right? You have this idea of what good writing sounds like or what good music sounds like or what good art looks like. And then when you try to create it, your taste is up here and what you're creating is like 17 stories below that, right? And so what I'm seeing is a lot of young people or people just, you can be old and, and be getting into writing, but you get into it with this, this great taste that you want to fulfill, but not having the skills to get there. And I think that that's why a lot of people get discouraged and walk away is because they aren't able to meet their tastes right when they enter into the craft. But I think like a really encouraging thing is almost like being discouraged because you can't get there is proof that you should keep going because you have a, a, a more refined taste than what a lot of people do in that area. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. <laughs> Today's guest is Cole Schaefer founder of Honey Copy, where he works with companies like Onnit and The Hustle to craft words in such a way for sales emails, website copy, and landing pages that make people want to buy their products. In addition, he's also a poet and has published a book titled One Minute Please. I am uh, 27 years old. I was born and raised in Southern Indiana. I've moved around a little bit. I was in Chicago last year, but recently bounced to Nashville just because it's a little bit of a slower pace, not so crazy here. But I'm a writer. So by day, I write advertising for brands. And by night, I actually moonlight as a poet. So I have two books of poetry and prowse and uh, have a third one coming out here in the next a couple months called After Her, which I'm super excited about. Okay, so you got a lot going on, which is very, <laughs> exciting, very exciting. So what initially got you into what you're doing kind of to pursue your day job? We'll start with your day job first. So right after I graduated from college, I went to the University of Southern Indiana. I graduated with, graduated with a degree in marketing. I went to, to work for an agency in my hometown. And it was kind of the full-time gig, sort of the typical college path. You graduate, you go work, work for the man, quote unquote. And I was about a month into that and I absolutely hated it. I remember one day just sitting at my desk. I had put on a little bit of weight from having big lunches and stuff. And I was sitting at my desk, staring at this brick wall, just wanting to smack my forehead against it. And I just stood up and walked out, just walked out of the place which I would never recommend anyone to do. It's super rude, but it, it's how I handled it. And I emailed my boss and I just said, hey, I'll be in tomorrow, but I'm, I'm putting in my two weeks. This just isn't a good fit. And it's not fair to you because my heart's just not in it. So anyways, we left on really good terms, despite the fact that I acted like an asshole. And I decided I wanted to pursue writing full time. But in order to do that, I had to start making some money and I took an odd job at a construction company tearing out carpet during the day. So I'd wake up at 7 a.m. and from like 7 a.m. until 3 p.m. in Southern Indiana and it was terrible. But then as soon as I got off that, that job, I was able to go and write full time and cold email different brands and really pursue that craft. But anyways, a, a funny story with all that is randomly the advertising agency that I'd quit from was doing a renovation on their place. So they hired without knowing they weren't trying to be vindictive, but like they hired my construction company to do that job. So literally two months after quitting, I walked into my advertising agency and I was actually tearing out carpet in the agency I had worked full time for. And it's super funny, like <laughs> looking back, I, it, it's worked out for me, but it was a really, really humbling experience being next to my coworkers wearing work boots and a cutoff and sweating and covered in grime. And they're looking at me not being rude, but they're just kind of like, what is, what is this kid thinking? Why, why, why is he doing? But I had a moment of clarity with all that, where when I was tearing out that carpet, I realized I would much rather be doing this and pursuing and following my dreams of writing 
versus sitting at this ad agency, hating my job uh, and hating my, my life in a lot of ways, just so that I can make like a little bit more dough and be seen as quote unquote, more legit in my peers' eyes. So that's how I fell into writing. Did you already have like a firm grasp on copywriting and marketing that you felt strong enough, like you could go off on your own? You just needed some brands to kind of back you at that point? No, no. I would say I knew nothing about copywriting at the time, even though I was working at an advertising agency and copywriting is a huge aspect of advertising. I was working more on sort of the account side where I was working directly with clients. But I actually just knew I wanted to write. I didn't know how I was going to make a living with it. I just was like, at first, my, my first idea was, what if I blogged for a bunch of different brands? And that's what I did. I just started reaching out, cold emailing a ton of brands. I was reaching out to 50, 60, 70 brands a week, just about, hey, could I write blogs for you? And eventually, like as I did more research and, and got turned down by brands and talked to some uh, people that were heading marketing and stuff, I was introduced to copywriting. And then I really just studied the the shit out of it. What's the key to copywriting? Because I go on Twitter and, and stuff and I, I, there was this one guy I followed in particular. He did his own kind of education, I guess, quote unquote, you could call it. He did like a hundred days of copywriting and he documented the whole process of what he was reading and like looking at good copy versus bad copy. So for you, how did you actually learn how to write good copy and become good at the craft. So I think a lot of the tips and tricks you see online are, are kind of BS. I think in a lot of ways, good copywriting is just good writing. So I always recommend if people want to become better copywriters, first and foremost, I just think people should learn to be better writers. And that to me happens by reading really good writers. So reading the Stephen Kings and the Stephen Pressfields and the Anne Lamotts and these, these really amazing writers who write fiction, if you just read them and read them frequently, eventually you just gain a better taste for writing in general. And with that, like you have to write a ton as well. But there are some people who claim that they're great copywriters, but they, you read their stuff and it feels like you're shaking hands with a car salesman. And I just think, our generation of consumers are just way smarter than that. And they read that stuff and they recognize the gimmicks. And so I think the key to copywriting is writing very, very well and writing in such a way that's entertaining. And if you can get someone to read an entire email, you're just naturally going to increase your chances at selling them. So I, I'm pretty slow to point out certain copywriting books or even like tips and tricks. And I'd rather just like point people to really good fictional writers to read. And then from there, like, just make sure you're passionate about what you're selling, like whatever product or service that is. And I think that is probably the quickest way to start writing better copy. Were you always kind of naturally gifted at writing or at least interested in the process, I guess, and that fueled with realizing that you could make it as a writer that kind of fueled you onward? So I started writing probably my last year in college. That's when I started getting interested in it. So that 2022 was when I really started writing. So it has not always been a passion for me. I'm a firm believer that there is some element of God-given talent for, for people in specific areas. Like I'm never going to be as good as LeBron James at basketball. <laughs> I'm not 6'8", and I can't jump out of the gym, and I'm not that kind of athlete, right? In that same context, I might be a little bit better or more equipped with certain skills when it comes to riding, but I think what really matters is how much work you're putting into it. And I just became obsessive, like that last year in college came down to writing every day, trying to to hit a thousand word count every single day and, and really push myself to, to be better. And, and I think at that point, it just becomes almost impossible not to see some improvement, just becoming obsessive. Was there a specific reason why you just built or like this infatuation with writing occurred at that moment in time? So I think like most people in their early 20s, I felt like I was having all of these emotions and feelings that were incredibly difficult to understand. I feel like that's what's so challenging about your early 20s, right? Where you go from 
living this life where every quarter or every semester you are graded on your performance and then all of a sudden you're thrown out into the real world right and there's no one that's kind of patting you on your ass and saying hey you did a great job there it's really up to you right and that was just like such a clusterfuck for me personally as I made that trans emotions and feelings and I, I honestly felt like I was going crazy. And so I think it's as much a obsession as it is just my own form of, of therapy. And it's been the only thing that I've been able to like find flow in where you kind of like do it and you get lost and you forget about time. Yeah, no, I completely understand and resonate with that. Like I didn't really start writing until, till I think I had graduated college and I like went to go travel. So I did it kind of like as like a blog which then in turn segued into like what it is now and like a bunch of other things. But the thought process of like documenting where you are in your life and then making it public for others to, to resonate with what, what your words are saying. Cause I think that's like ultimately the power of writing is like, you never know who it's going to touch or affect mm -hmm. and like how it's going to do so. So true. And, or I'm sorry, Joan Didion wrote, a really interesting quote and I'm, I'm going to butcher it but her philosophy sort of on writing is that she actually uses writing as this exploratory process to come to terms with how she and I always thought that 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 is the real gift in writing is is maybe not sitting down because you have something to say and to be truth but more so because you feel a little bit lost and it's a way to ground yourself in a lot of ways and and and, and discover do you think that's what initially stops a lot of people is because they feel like they don't have a voice or they have nothing to say or somebody else has already said whatever they're trying to say absolutely and i think that that is a huge component of sort of imposter syndrome or the fear but like here's here's how i view it so a lot of times when people enter into writing or graphic design or building a business right they're feeling super discouraged because they have great taste and uh ira glass was actually talking about this one time he's a fantastic journalist but you get into something because you have a specific craft but since you are so early in it and because you suck at it right you have this idea of what good writing sounds like or what good music sounds like or what good art looks like and then when you try to create it your taste is up here and what you're creating is like 17 stories below that right and so what i'm seeing is a lot of young people or people just you can be old and, and be getting into writing but you get into it with this this great taste that you want to fulfill but not having the skills to get there and I think that that's why a lot of people get discouraged and walk away is because they aren't able to meet their tastes right when they enter into the craft. But I think like a really encouraging thing is almost like being discouraged because you can't get there is proof that you should keep going because you have a, a, a more refined taste than what a lot of people do in that area. That's what's drawing you, you towards it. I, I hope that makes sense. I hope it wasn't just like a rant, but... No, I think I've, I think I've heard like something similar in the same regard. And I mean, it definitely makes sense because you're reading all these great works or you're seeing all these pieces and that's obviously what you're into. But if you haven't honed in on that skill, unless like you were saying earlier, like you have some natural born ability, like you're not going to be there because you haven't put in the hours and the reps to get to that point. So you don't deserve even to be at that right. level when you step in to the into the court or whatever it is exactly it's ridiculous to think that you could that you could even fulfill that taste right or match it because you haven't put in any time but it doesn't keep us from having that ridiculous thought or hope definitely one can dream and hopefully they push past it so how did you push past kind of that that imposter syndrome and that fear of not being able to write how you want I would say it began with forming a schedule. So when he was first starting out writing jokes, this was before he got big on SNL and all that, like right when he was getting into stand-up, he had this great big calendar that he hung on his wall. And every time he wrote a joke for that day, he put a big Sharpie X through the box for that day. And he would tell himself, don't break the chain. And so he would write a joke, put an X on Monday, write a joke, put an X on Tuesday, write a joke, put an X on Wednesday. 
And he just was trying to connect those X's for as long as he could. And what he found was as he did that over and over again, and that chain grew longer, momentum started to form. And he kept writing those jokes, not because it stopped being a question of, are these good or are these bad? And more so a question of, am I putting in the work and am I keeping that chain going? And so I think if you focus early on, on like the process in terms of, Hey, I'm going to write and put something out every single day, even if it sucks permission to suck, because you're, you're just trying not to break that chain. So early on, like how I got through it is I obviously tried to put out the best work I could, but I was more focused on writing as much as possible and shipping as much as possible, knowing that like I was going to look back on that work in a year and cringe a little bit with how bad it was. But to get to that place where you're better, you have to like kind of build out that that really, really bad material. You have to suck for a while before you can be good. So at what point did you or do you feel like you stopped sucking quote unquote or at least feeling like the work you were shipping daily was of a lesser quality than you wanted to put out i would say i would say probably by year three i was at a place where i thought okay this work isn't this this work isn't world class but i'm reading back through the pieces i wrote a year ago right and they aren't making me cringe at the same level as they used to make me cringe. And so I think it was really like the year three mark where I was reading some of my own, my old material and rereading it. And I just felt, I just felt like it was finally at a place where I thought, okay, like if I was reading this objectively as a stranger, right. Not as myself, I would think this was pretty good, but it, I mean, it took me, it took me two to three years before I got to that place. Jeez. Okay. So that's an interesting, that's a fairly long period of time to kind of go through the daily grind of just repeatedly putting in the reps and writing and then not quite, not hating it, but obviously not quite being like super into whatever you're producing. For me, writing is going to be something I do for the rest of my life. So the three years seems like a very small amount of time when I'm hoping to live until like I'm 70, right? But if you're, maybe if, if I was talking about ukulele, which for me is more of a hobby, three years seems like an eternity to get to the place where I think I'm decent at it, right? So I think it's more about just deciding how long do you think you're going to, to do that craft for? Is it, is it just a three-year thing? And if that's the case, then you might have to lower your standards some. But for me, writing was something, it is something I want to do forever. So three years doesn't seem like that long, you know? <laughs> That makes sense. And yeah. like thinking about it from that point of view and, and addressing new eyes. What drew you to poetry then? I would say, I would say heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like all poetry is just a new, it's just a people, heartbroken people trying to rephrase and, and reframe and come up with new angles to look at love. Like, I really think that's all it is. But yeah, I, in my early, super early 20s, I had kind of a string of breakups and probably like most young people was really frustrated with, with just love and relationships in general. And poetry, again, kind of became that, that therapy for myself a little bit. But yeah, it was a lot like my normal form of writing. Like I just started doing it one day and didn't stop. And, and yeah, I've just like stuck with it. It's become kind of a, a habit like anything else. Do you find that that's more therapeutic, you writing poetry or poems of any form rather than you writing like longer form content? Yeah, I would almost say poetry feels like when you have so much emotion just welling up inside of you that you feel like you're in a burst, that's a great time to write poetry. Longer form items like articles or essays or even a book, I think that that's more so you're fascinated by subject and poetry to me is like more of a, an emo, definitely more of an emotional, uh, an emotional style of writing. How does one get good? at? Po is it the same way? Like poetry is just like the reps in and reps out day in and day out. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, what I did with poetry, I actually started publish, publishing the pieces on Instagram and I announced just one day, I was like, okay, I'm going to write a, a poetry book and it's it's actually this one right here. It's one, one minute, please is the poetry book. But I just like announced randomly on Instagram. I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to write 
a poetry book and I'm going to share every single page with, with all of you as I write it. And so I just would share it to my story. And um, I did that in real time. So it kind of functioned in two ways. Like from one side of things, it allowed me to grow a readership, right? But also like see in real time what pieces people really liked, what maybe the market considered good and what, what it considered bad. So from like an entrepreneurial, like business standpoint, I think that that's something like I can't ignore, like definitely sharing stuff every day is, is like in a way like customer research, right? So th there's that point. The other point is by doing it publicly and announcing, Hey, I'm going to do this each and every, every single day. Like it, it, you now have outside pressure to keep showing up because people expect you to publish it every day. So if all of a sudden, like I got two weeks in and I stopped writing now I would kind of look like a fraud, like in my, like, I would feel like a fraud because I just made this announcement and I'm not showing up to work anymore. Right. So that's, that's how I got good is I just kind of forced, or I don't even want to say got, got good because like, it's not like I've won any poetry awards, like, but people buy the book. So that's how I got to the place where I felt like people were enjoying the poetry and I got good enough to where people appreciated it is I just continued to write it every single day. Like, rainer sunshine just always was doing it yeah how long does it take to write on average a poem so i think it this this totally depends on the type of poetry so like a lot of instagram poetry which i i kind of loathe in a way even though i'm i'm part of it is it's just like single lines like it might be her hair glimmered in the sunshine and it it will literally just be that line and it'll get like a thousand likes and you're kind of as as a writer like why why do, why are people liking this it doesn't make any sense but if you're writing a poem like like if you're trying to do robert frost style poetry where we're talking like pages right that might take a month so it all depends on the length and the depth and 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 if you're trying to create something that's timeless right versus a single one-off line that might as well just be like an Instagram caption or something. What's the, so this is one of the things I find interesting about poetry is like, typically it is going to be shorter. Obviously there's less words. So how do you get all of this imagery and pack such a powerful punch with such few words on a page? Do you, well, do you have a, I mean, do you have, do you read a lot of poetry? Do you have a, a favorite poet or anything like that? Or, I mean, what are your, let me rephrase that. What are your candid thoughts on poetry? I have gotten more into it. Yeah. Probably like the last year. I don't really like, like the poetry they would make us read in school. That's going to put me to sleep. But like Rupi, is it Rupi Kaur? Yeah, Rupi Kaur, yeah. She, I mean, like, so her style and like making that more public and just like socially acceptable kind of like integrating that in there and there's someone else I was looking at the other day and I mean your style is like very much meshed in to that kind of style and so mm -hmm. I would assume all of you all are kind of under the same umbrella of like trying to approach 20 year olds with poetry and mm -hmm. appreciate the art of it yeah I was just curious like what your what your thoughts were because I know everybody's different like some people read it and think oh this is this is stupid but uh, yeah I was just curious no I think I think with poetry so the reason I think po poetry matters is because it allows us as readers right and I'm referring to myself here too because I also like really enjoy reading other people's poetry but it allows us to put put into words the shit that we're feeling which then in turn allows us to explain to ourselves what we're feeling Right. And, and I think that that's why sometimes when we read someone like Rupi, who's great, like just absurdly talented. I mean, everyone on Instagram is just kind of copying her. Right. She's the leader in, in that genre. The reason like when you read her in millions of people get this sort of aha moment, like this oh shit moment, it's because she intuitively is just able to put into words these feelings that like so many people are experiencing and are frustrated with and it's kind of like feeling understood for the first time. And with that, you're with that understanding, like you're understanding yourself. So I think, I think that that's like the connection in poetry. I think really good poetry helps us understand ourselves, like on a much deeper level. 
for January, I was like trying to pick something to do for the month. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to like try and sit down and write at least like one poem a day and just Love like it. see what happens. And so I missed one day, but I ended up doing it for 30 days. And some days it's super interesting. Like you sit there and the words like automatically come, like, I don't know what I'm going to write about, but it just kind of flows. And then other days I'm sitting there for like 10, 30 minutes and I still have no idea what to right. write about and I like right. want to crash it mm -hmm. I'm like I just need to get some words on this piece of paper and then mm -hmm. I'm good to go but mm -hmm. I think the whole process itself of it made me rethink and put on like a different cap than if I was like writing something like longer form like trying to like make it flow but then also like not right. be too cheesy or like right. figure out the direction so it's very much like a different avenue and way of thinking than if like you were writing long form and it is kind of fun like I did enjoy the process of writing poetry yeah I think poetry probably feels a little bit more like play than the longer form writing that you do right because you you especially if like you said maybe you haven't read a ton of poetry but you've started to kind of dabble you that's like a great place to be in my opinion to like start out on a craft or even even poetry that's a great place because you don't you haven't read a bunch of Robert Frost and you're trying to compete with someone of that caliber instead you could just throw music in feel your feelings and then try to put them into words so yeah maybe maybe poetry is just more of like feels more like play than what most writing feels like yeah and to me, it's yeah. like a song. Like I envision it kind of like if I was writing, writing a song without the music, essentially. Yeah. And did you, when on those days, maybe not on those days when it was like you were having to, to, to really muscle through it, but those days where it just flowed, did you feel better after having done it? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's another reason why people should write it. I think, I think you feel better when when you do it well, when you get, get those thoughts and feelings out on paper. Is there a societal stereotype associated with men who write poetry? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think that this is definitely something I've, I've explored as a writer and a poet, even though I think that's a weird thing to call yourself as I'll just say as a writer, I think sometimes you you are putting a lot of yourself out there. And as a man, I think, I think, especially me growing up in Southern Indiana, where being a man is was a much, you know, more macho masculine thing, right? It's it's slightly south, but definitely like a blue collar town and stuff and being more sensitive and, and emotional and maybe I, I don't want to even call it like in touch with your feminine side. Cause I think it's weird to like label that stuff, but yeah, maybe in that area, that's what it was called. It, it, it was, it was weird to be that way. And I remember growing up, I felt like I kind of had to apologize for that side of things. And even dating, dating women growing up and feeling like they were sort of judging me for feeling too much. That was, I remember one time when I was in, like a freshman in high school, I made this girl like a starburst bracelet <laughs> or whatever, which looking back on it was like super weird, but I was angsty and feeling a lot. And like, I was super into her. And I remember she showed it to her entire cheer team and like made it a joke. And it was just so embarrassing. Like it just wrecked me, but it's just funny looking back now, that's something that I'd say has helped me some romantically where women are drawn to me being more in touch with that side of things because they're maybe used to men being like, I'm going to grin and bear it and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. It's like, I, I don't know. That's just not how I think masculinity should be. I think that it's totally okay to say like, Hey, I, I feel like fucking shit today. And, and poetry has definitely helped me do that. Like in a more, Po poetic and beautiful way so yeah no I think that's amazing and I commend you for for putting yourself out there and like doing that anybody who does that deserves like a bunch of accolades do you think so like to carry off of that then is society as a whole moving towards the direction that you're already in or is it kind of like in a stagnant like stalled period I'd say that maybe my biggest I don't even want to say biggest problem with society, but something I've noticed with society is it seems like everybody 
and that's a generalization, but it's, it seems like a movement is being, what's the right terminology for it? Only being vulnerable when it's an advent, like when it's an, an advantage to yourself, right? So sort of being conditionally vulnerable where I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to show my scars and, 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 and in a way like kind of create like this victimization when it can further my place in a certain situation, whether it's like with a romantic partner, hey, I'm going to be vulnerable because it will help you see me in this light. I don't see like a lot of people being vulnerable and just saying, fuck it, like this is me, whether you like it or not, like this is just who I am. I wish I, I wish I saw more of that though, like nowadays where it wasn't just people maybe being vulnerable to like further their own cause, but like being vulnerable because it's just honest, like just being raw and honest. And I try to be that way. I can't like, nobody can be that way all the time. But I mean, I'd like to see like more people move that way just in general, just like just being real, just because it's the right thing to do, not because they want to further like some sort of ulterior motive. Do you think that'll ever happen? I I don't think so, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd press on that. Nah, I, I really don't think so either. I think there's like a certain aspect of keeping things closed off and that the walls kind of there that it is tough to like completely put yourself out there with the rejection, especially nowadays. Oh my gosh. Some people can do some scary stuff and like the lengths that they'll go to hurt people when it's like not even beneficial to anyone to, to hurt right. them. Right. Yeah. That's so true. I think that that, and, and that's scary too. Just, just what people are, what people are capable of and online and digitally there's, maybe less repercussions because you don't have to look those people in the eyes and see how much you did hurt them. I think that that's something worth keeping in mind. Anytime you criticize someone online where you aren't having to like sit across that person during their lunch when they feel like really, really low because of something you said. Whereas maybe when our parents and our parents' parents were growing up. If you had something to say, you'd say it to their face and you risked maybe getting punched in the mouth or like you risked sort of the social risk of, of people hating you for a second or you looking like an asshole or, or whatever. Online, I just don't think you, you have to experience that. It's sort of a cop-out in a lot of ways. And you can be a bot, which those are scary too. <laughs> yeah, those, the AI, the AI-powered bots. Yes. One thing that I think could be interesting in general, like, cause you do write, do you write and publish your work more for yourself or more for others? It's a great question. And I was actually thinking about this the other day. So I would say from a, from the cop, from a copywriting standpoint, like advertising writing, I definitely can't say that I'm doing that a ton for other people because I'm doing it to pay the bills. Right. So it is in a lot of ways for myself. Now there are, codes that I try to follow, like internal codes on, I'm, I don't want to market or advertise something that I don't believe is going to make someone's life better. Right. And I also think that a lot of the advertising done is super boring and it's not very creative. And I think advertising can be art. So there's elements like that in why I do it, but I'd be lying if I said, okay, like I write advertising for brands because I'm trying to make other people's lives like a tremendously better. I think there is like an element of that, but it's also like selfish in a lot of ways. Poetry for me is two parts where, and I'll say creative writing just in general, cause it's not all poetry, but it's two parts where it is me trying to like work through emotions that I have, but also it's, it's because like, it does truly fulfill me and like make me really happy when someone reaches out on Instagram or emails me and says, Hey, like I read this and I just want you to know, like it meant the world to me or that, that, that I feel like makes me feel really good and probably less lonely. And it makes me feel good to know that like maybe someone else out there who is with the same emotion no longer feels lonely. So yeah, maybe poetry is like for others and copywriting and advertising is more for myself. I don't know. So it's a great question. I mean, that makes sense. That's kind of what I was thinking that you would, you would kind of say, I was just curious on the poetry aspect because like you obviously can make money off of it and monetize it. 
and some people might view it more so as like you're just getting it out there because you have this weight on your chest that you just want to potentially figure out how to make money because maybe people will be interested in it but you seem like you genuinely actually like do want other people to kind of resonate with it and understand that everybody's going through these things no matter who they are or where they are for sure yeah and I would say like to be completely transparent too on the poetry side it's people like Ruby Carr or Carr Core, however you pronounce her last name like she is definitely getting rich off her poetry and deservedly. So it's so, it's so good, but 99% of poets aren't ever going to make a serious living, like writing poetry. Like even, even the, like that book I just showed you, that book costs $7,000 between marketing editors at like advertising coming up with the video, the cover, getting the books produced. It cost me 7,000, like just to put it out there. And it wasn't until a year in that I broke even on it. So I might be up a couple thousand dollars on the book, which is awesome. But I can tell you that I can make that working for a brand somewhere and like writing copy for them. So I don't think I would do it if it was just strictly like financial, because it, there's definitely easier way to easier ways to make money for sure. <laughs> the artist life. You got to get your work yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, so true. What in your life, whether it was an event or experience, it can be kind of anything at the time was deemed a failure either by you or someone or people that are external, but you now look back and maybe it's not quote unquote like a success, but it was like a huge pivotal turning point for you. So my basketball career ending, I would say is, is the first thing that comes to mind. So when I, I've spent, I mean, how long was it? I started playing basketball maybe around 10 years old and I played like until I was 20 and my senior year of high school, I was at a place where I probably could have gone to play at some low division one schools, probably high D2, low division one. And I came down like, it, this was like the seventh game of the, my senior season. And I tore this ligament in my left foot called the Liz Franck. So it, it's essentially like what keeps the, the arch in your foot. So my arch just collapsed like on this play. And it ended up being this four month long recovery process, two surgeries, non-weight bearing. And at the time, like my entire identity was basketball. Like my everyone in my hometown knew me as a basketball player my dad had played basketball that was totally what our relationship was was just basketball and when that was taken away from me it felt like my world was just kind of crashing down and i felt like my relationship with my family was even strained because that so much of my identity was basketball and that's how we connected and anyways like i recovered from that and i went to play for a small division two school in louisville kentucky in a year in i just realized wow i this just isn't what i want to do anymore like i'd shown myself that i could come back from that injury but being there i just was not happy and and wasn't enjoying it and i remember sort of halfway through that season i started getting into the arts like playing piano. I took piano lessons and maybe sort of dabbling in writing and, and exploring some of these more creative pursuits. And it also, I think in a lot of ways, like strengthened my father and I's relationship because I was no longer wanting to connect on the basis of basketball, but like just on the basis of us being humans. And, and so looking back, like if that injury would have never occurred, I think I probably would have played four years of college basketball, probably at like a D2 school or something, would have had like an okay career, would have went and worked for like Northwestern Mutual as a financial advisor. And I maybe would have found writing like in my 30s. So at the time it was a complete combustion explosion, but I think to like use a metaphor, it, it sort of felt like the Phoenix when it burns up but then is reborn that was like kind of my my rebirth in a lot of ways did you feel like you had this compression over all of these years because i mean basketball what you're talking about like was your life like you weren't able to express yourself in any other means so then when you had this time occur and you had to figure out like who you were and what else it is you could do everything just came piling on <laughs> at one time 
Yeah, I think it all just came sort of flooding in. Even even today, I've been writing for five years now, and I'm all I'm almost overwhelmed with the amount of ideas and words and stories and articles that I want to create that sometimes I'm like concerned I'm going to run out of time. Like I just won't have the time to do it all. But I don't think like, I think probably a lot of that came from having this decade long period of my life where it was all about basketball. And, and let's face it, like there's only so much you can express through sports. Like there are so many beautiful aspects of physical sports and sweating and like competing against other people but it's not really a, a place of creative in, in self-expression, at least in my opinion, like you can have a style to your game and how you play, but there's plenty of athletes. I think it's the, it's the reason why 50 year old dads are crying just profusely as they watch some sad sporting mo- moment, right? Like it's kind of become something of a meme because they haven't figured out another way to express themselves. It's just sort of through sports and, it's great that they have that, but I would like to see maybe some other avenues. Self-expression. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, not just like crying at the high school kid that won the championship, but yeah. Would you ever consider that as like a future, I don't know if it would be a course or program or whatever it would look like would be, I mean, it also doesn't have to be specifically targeted towards like high school athletes or anything, but yeah. maybe men in general or something like on whether it was poetry and or just like creativity and writing in general? So I actually sell a, uh, a course. It's, it's more on copywriting, but I, I take a different approach than most copywriters where it is more of a literary, like uh, read fiction and, and try to write really pretty words rather than just words that sell and convert. And that course is just for short, I just call it snow cones, but like a lot of marketers and entrepreneurs buy it if they want to just a crash course, like in how to write better. So I found like a lot of, really great success with that specific course but it'd be interesting to like write a book or do some sort of course catered at the a a broader audience just on like how to express yourself with words but i'd be scared that like (laughs) like men would just use it for like pickup lines or something i don't know (laughs) never know you're gonna be on a hinge course i could i could create a a course on on dming or something but (laughs) You're going to be on like the Tinder blog uh, for the Tinder blog. What are two books that have been impactful in your life? They could be poetry or fiction, nonfiction, whatever. When Breath Becomes Air by Paul and his last name starts with a K. It's, it's such a difficult name to pronounce, but it's a, this beautiful white book. And it's actually about a, med student who goes all through medical school and is almost all the way through residency and then and and actually gets married gets married is like really happy with with like in this beautiful relationship with his wife and then all of a sudden he gets diagnosed with stage three or stage four lung cancer and so he started writing that book at the end of sort of like right during during in the midst of his diagnosis and it it kind of goes through him leading up to his death and so it's a really really heavy book and definitely like a tearjerker don't don't read it on vacation or anything but i came out of that book with just a whole new appreciation just with life where we have these big crazy boisterous dreams of oh i want to get here before before i die or whatever like this this the, the 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 peak of the mountain but then we also forget that like some people only make it until they're 34 or 40. We, we don't always have a bunch of time. So it kind of gave me a sense of urgency a little bit. So I definitely recommend that book. So like more mission oriented. So I actually, this is kind of a, a random book, but when I was first building Honey Copy, which is my freelance writing business, which essentially like allowed me to like get away from tearing out carpet and everything and and pursue like my dreams of writing. I was reading a book by Sophia Amoruso who founded Nasty Gal called Girl Boss. It has, the the title is maybe a little bit cheesy, but it's like seeing this really badly lost like teenager build this empire and find her direction and stuff. So that, I'm not going to say that's like the best book I ever read, but definitely a tremendous book. If you had a book written about you, what would the title of the book be? Title of the book. 
Man, I'm going to probably say Moxie, M-O-X-I-E. I've been obsessed with that word for a while. It was, I, I first read it by Kurt Vonnegut, who is just a, or was a legendary science fiction writer. And one advice he gave to writers is a lot of times the difference between writers who make it and writers who don't is something called Moxie. And that's just the refusal to go unread or unheard or unseen. And that I think in a lot of ways has been, the story of my life, at least like in writing, is that I've, I have put in a ton of work, but I've also just refused to go unread, just producing as much work as possible and shipping it and getting it in front of people's eyes. And I think that that for me has been the difference maker, just refusing for, to be ignored. You're like, Hey, look at me. This is my work. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds, I mean, it kind of sounds narcissistic. So like, I don't, and I don't mean it to sound that way, but I, I do think like to make it online, you have to have a little bit of that. Like you like, look at me, it just has to, has yeah. to be there. Oh, for sure. I mean, things will get lost so quick and our attention spans are so quick. literally a snap of a finger, maybe even less sometimes. Like I moved on. I'm on the next thing. If you didn't capture it, then bye. There'll be like 50, 50 tweets down already. Mad respect for doing that. If you had 30 to 60 seconds to describe to a complete stranger who came up to you on the side of the street and asked what you did, what would you say? I would say I sell products and services with pretty words. What does an average day look like for you? So I try to wake up by 7.30. The latest I wake up is 8.30 if I was up a little bit late the night before. I have a nine-month-old pit bull, and she is a complete sweetheart. Her name's June, so I'll take her out to go use the restroom and and bring her inside and and feed her and kind of play with her for a bit. And then I head to the coffee shop just up the road. It's called Kettner. If you're ever in Nashville, Tennessee, definitely hit it up. It's one of my favorite coffee shops. And I'll put in about four to five hours of of work there. Just, I try to write as, as much as possible during that time. And I really am, am trying to stay off social media and not check my phone because I've just found that as soon as I, I check Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn, my productivity just goes like, just plummets. So one motto I have for myself is don't, don't log in until you have something to say or share. So by the time, like my writing for the day is done and I have like a tweet ready or uh, an Instagram post or an article that I want to share to LinkedIn, that's when I'll log in and kind of open up that conversation. So that's sort of my deep work period. And then after that, I'll come home, let June out, and she'll just hang out with me for the rest of the day. And for the remaining three, four hours, I'll have coffee just at my house and do some more kind of like reactive work, managing work. So emails and maybe if I have like a small client project where I have to write copy for some Google ads or Facebook ads, I'll do stuff like that. Uh, and then around four or five o'clock, I'll close up shop and hit a workout, normally like a lift and a run. I've actually had COVID for the past like eight or nine days. <laughs> so I haven't been able to hit the gym, but, but yeah, that's like generally my day. And then I'll just wind down by reading and having a good dinner and, and just hanging out with my brother lives with me. So I'll hang out with him and another one of my best friends. So you're like mid, mid Rona right now. Well, actually Back I'm like in. kind of at the tail end now, which is really yeah. nice. Cause I, I had it, I had my first symptom last Saturday. So like today is kind of the day I'm quote unquote out of quarantine, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It sucks. <laughs> Oof. All right. I don't, I've never talked to anyone during this entire period that has been in the midst of having the coronavirus. So this is amazing. Yeah. It's so for me personally, it hasn't been that bad. I've had a little bit shortness of breath, little bit of body aches for like a day. The main thing is I cannot smell or taste at all. And I'm a foodie. So that sucks. I love good red wine and, and love like, like cooking. And so that has been definitely like a bummer, but I'm alive. If you had 24 hours to live, unlimited money, and could travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers and bring whoever you wanted, what would you do? I would probably take all of my best friends and my brothers and my parents, and I would take them to an island in 
Canada and, and sort of the British Columbia area called Victoria. It's this really beautiful island. And I would just hang out there for a day and probably write for the first three hours and then spend the rest of the day with them. Would Cole at 8, 10, 12, whatever age you want to pick, give or take a year or two, would he be happy with where you are now and what you're doing? I don't know. I, at that age, I wanted to play in the NBA. <laughs> so he'd probably think Cole somehow had gotten way, way off path, but I would hope so. I'd hope, I'd hope he'd be proud of the person I've, I've become. What do you want to accomplish in the next six to 12 months, either personally, professionally, and or both? I actually have eight goals for this year, like printed and put, put like right up on my writing desk. So one is write 208 articles. Last year, I wrote 165. I want to read 52 books, so a book a week. Uh, I want to release a new course or guide. So I have a copywriting course and a freelancing course, but I'd love to do one kind of focused around cold email. Uh, I want to appear on 25 different podcasts. So this is my second, third, I think. I want to launch After Her, which is my next poetry book. Uh, I want to surprise launch my fourth poetry book. We'll see if that happens. I want to create an additional source of income with Honeycopy. So one idea I've had is kind of like a job board focused towards creative directors and writers and people who are in marketing. So I'm currently building that out. And then the last one, and this is like definitely a big one, but it's pay, pay off my house. I'd love to do that by the end of the year. All right. You got some good stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how many I can, I can actually accomplish. So where's the best place to buy your, your book? So I always direct everyone just to www.honeycopy.com. And if you poke around there, you'll be able to find everything. I have one tab or one, one link on there that just says books. So you'll be able to find it there. My newsletters are, are great to check out and my courses are on there too. So just uh, honeycopy.com. And then I'm on Instagram too, just at Cole underscore Schaefer. And you'll be able to find the poetry book there too. My two takeaways from my conversation with Cole are, first, you only look crazy at the beginning, when the seeds have been planted but there's nothing that's sprouted yet. So just give it time and once the seeds begin to sprout and you begin to get clients and produce those results, people will no longer stare at you with wide eyes thinking you're mad. They'll think, how can I be that guy or that girl or that person? Number two, there's beauty in redefining your identity or better yet, coming to terms with who you are. It can be difficult and cause previous relationships to change, but if you're important enough to them, it won't matter. And that's not on you to make them change their mind. At the end of the day, if they care about you, they just want you to be happy and do what fulfills you in life. 